Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello, this is Talking Tourism and I'm Rachel Williams, your host for today's episode of Talking Tourism. Every fortnight, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania brings you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry. And each episode will deal with a specific tourism-related topic with tips and advice for improving your tourism business and getting ahead in the visitor economy. Now, one area of the visitor economy is the humble backpacker. Most of us can remember spending time in our youth backpacking around different countries not getting up to too much trouble, I'm sure. But today I'm joined by someone who's an expert in the industry and the value it can bring to your business. I'm joined by Christy Carstairs. Welcome to Tasmania and to Talking Tourism, Christy. Thanks so much for having me. Our absolute pleasure. Now you've got 18 years experience working in the youth and backpacker sector of tourism. And obviously it is a big growing industry um, that we've, you know, we should look at in a little bit more depth. So I better ask, start by asking of your first um, experience of backpacking, did you get up to much uh, trouble around the world? I got up to far too much trouble and I'm very glad it was all before the times of social media. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I left high school and pretty much immediately um, went over to Europe. I'm very lucky that my grandparents are from Ireland, so I had a European passport and spent six years travelling around, and I suppose that's where I really developed um, my passion for the sector. I'm, I'm a backpacker that doesn't really want to grow up. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was over there working as a tour guide and um, and a few various jobs around the place, and, and that's got me to where I am today. So there's probably a misconception that the backpacker and the, the youth traveller uh, is one who doesn't have any money. You know, why should we bother with them? But I think we're going to dispel a few myths around that statement. Um, tell me about the evolution of the backpacker. They've, they have changed over the journey, haven't they? Yeah, I think the world's gotten a lot smaller place and probably in the last 10 years especially, the only thing that's gotten cheaper is the cost of airfares. Um, it's Australia used to be very much a once in a lifetime destination. They've got to come here. They've got to stay for their entire two years. They've got to uh, go work on a farm. They've got to make the most of this opportunity because Australia is so far away. They're never, ever, ever in their lifetime going to get a chance to come back. And, um, and that's not the case in, anymore. The average 22 year old who works in London can just take their two weeks annual leave every year and afford to be able to come to Australia um, and experience what we have to offer. So whilst youth arrivals to Australia are up, we are seeing a bit of a decline in the tradition from the traditional markets in the working holiday visa um, because you don't have to pick lettuces in Gippsland now to be able to, um, you know, save your money and move on and, and be able to experience everything that we have. Um in saying that, we're doing our best to try to reinvigorate the working holiday maker visa. Um, we've just at Tourism Australia, we've just come out with a new campaign um, called Australia Inc, which is um, promoting Australia as the best workplace in the world. Um, I think that there's a lot of pressure on young people now to really get on that corporate ladder as soon as they finish high school to go straight away to uni and as soon as they finish uni to um, then start their career. So um, we really want to promote Australia as a chance for them to get above their peers and have an amazing life experience that will really set them apart from the rest of the crowd when they're 
when they're looking at starting their careers. What percentage of um, the market is the backpacker market in Australia? Well, you can slice and dice the figures any way you really like. Um, Young people, youth arrivals into Australia, all arrivals under the age of 30 accounts for 25% of arrivals and 48% of spend. Um, But we know that some of those people are young Asian families staying in the Hilton, coming on a shopping holiday. Uh, They're not staying in dorm beds at the YHA or going bungee jumping on the weekends. Um, So when you cut that down to the working holiday sector, it accounts for about um, 302,000 arrivals um, and the spend is about $3.2 billion. So if working holidaymakers were a country, they'd be about the same size as the UK when we're talking about um, tourism economic value. Do most backpackers uh, aim for that working holiday experience? Um, Not all of them do. As I said, uh, it is the trends are changing, um, but the ones who do come on a working holiday are certainly the ones that we would consider to be high value travellers. They disperse further into regions, they stay for longer. Uh, The average stay is 151 nights um, and they spend on average around about $10,300 Uh, per trip. So at Tourism Australia, anyone who spends over $8,000 per person on a holiday is considered a high value traveller. So that's what we really target. We understand that um, Australia is is very fragile when we're talking from a nature and wildlife perspective um, and the infrastructure that we have available to us. So we can't just keep pumping more tourists through the door. We've really got to aim for those high value travellers and um, backpackers and working holiday makers certainly fall into that category. So from that, I'm assuming there's a huge potential for a number of businesses around the country to actually tap into this market that at the moment they probably aren't aware actually have any money to spend. Exactly. And, and, you know, this segment isn't sexy. It's it's not as sexy. Dorm beds aren't as sexy as luxury lodges, let's face it. But um, but there is a lot of money out there to be made. And I think that Tasmania has a real advantage um, because for those uh, working holiday makers that are aiming to get their second year, they have to do 88 days of regional work, either in agriculture or in construction. Um, and all of Tasmania is considered regional. Um, so instead of having to go to far north Queensland and lug around bananas in 100% humidity, you can come to Tasmania and work in a building site in Hobart and still that counts towards your 88 days of getting your second year. So uh, I think it's something that the industry here really need to try to push and promote um, as an advantage over the, the big cities on the mainland. And I suppose Tasmania has such a, an advantage when you look at our walking, you know, I'm thinking um, generally speaking the overland track, you see a lot of backpackers come in and want to take part in that and other adventure tourism that we offer. But there is so many, um, you know, there's so many more berry um, businesses starting up. There's the apple orchards and cherry orchards. They all need labour from backpackers, don't they? Yeah, and the wineries as well. And um, and it's not just the hiking. There's become a real niche for your mountain biking here as well, which is um, of particular interest to, to that market segment. Mona is is universal, of course, and, and some, you know, the food culture here as well is, is universal. So, um, there's there's certainly plenty of opportunity and I suppose there's not many operators that have a real focus on on that market here. There's a two tour companies I can think of off the top of my head and there's a few hostels dotted around, but there's certainly lots of opportunity for growth in this area. So does Tasmania have a different um, aspect to the 
travellers eat attracts compared to the rest of Australia in terms of that backpacker market? No, I think that um, generally, as I said, the backpacker market, they visit more destinations than your regular tourist who might come to one or two cities in their holiday and then leave again. So the proportion of um, of working holidaymakers that visit more than eight locations during their time here in Australia is very high. Um, so that means that of all tourists, you would think, if you put everyone in the same bucket, of all tourists that come to Australia internationally, you're probably have a higher chance of attracting a working holiday maker than than someone else if they're just going to go to the main destinations and tick places off their list. And where are they actually all coming from internationally? Um, UK is still number one. Um, and then um, Taiwan um, and Korea are also up there um, quite highly. Um, but the main ones that we're trying to attract through our Australia Inc. campaign is the UK, Germany and France. We're traditional core markets. Okay, so I'm a tourism business operator in Tasmania, um, perhaps haven't thought of the backpacker sector or the youth market as something that could be lucrative for my business. How can I go about changing my offering so that I can attract them? Uh, we have heaps of resources on our corporate website at Tourism Australia. So if you go to um, www tourism.australia.com, you'll find lots of resources on how you can get involved in our campaigns and what we're doing. Uh, we've also created a lot of contents through our, um, through our australia.com sites about things for backpackers to do, places for them to go, suggested itineraries. You can have a look at that, make sure um, your business is, is being featured in the right places. Um, you can also get in contact with me. I'm the Industry Relations Manager at Tourism Australia and I'm more than happy to um, pass on any information about what we're doing and the stats and um, information that we have on the segment and pass them on to anyone who's interested. So I'm assuming though that you don't have to be a specific backpacker business to attract backpackers though, do you? What can, um, not your Hilton, but what can your more uh, exclusive businesses do to try and tap into that market? I mean, it's, it's, it is very broad, I suppose. Um, we've got lots of, um, big companies, um, that, that cater to both the mainstream tourism and working holiday makers as well. Big companies like Quicksilver and C-Link, they all have products that they've adapted um, to be able to suit those on a tighter budget um, who may have more time and less money and on a daily budget. Um, so it's just all about not changing your core product, but just maybe adapting that slightly for the working holiday makers. Can you give us some more um, advice around that ad- adaptation? Um, just, uh, I suppose making sure, um, you're digitally ready. Um, working holiday makers tend to not book through the same traditional travel trade that mainstream travelers do. Um, it's all online. It's all at their fingertips and it's got a much shorter lead time, I would say, than your, um, than your regular tourists. So making sure that you're easily bookable online would be a first step making sure that you're advertising through channels that they're looking at, like Facebook and Instagram, um, and trying to get involved in, you know, digital marketing campaigns as well. So you were once the president of the Backpacking Operators Association of New South Wales. Yes. um, And vice chair of the National Backpacker and Youth Tourism Advisory Panel. What's some of the feedback been both positive and I suppose negative about some experiences that backpackers have had? I'm I'm tipping there'd be a few tales to tell. There is a few tales to tell and those industry bodies um, are in nearly every state and territory and it's just where – 
backpacker operators get together and, and work together as a group so they have a louder voice, I suppose, like any kind of in- industry council. Um, and you do get amazing feedback of life-changing holidays, people coming to Australia on a working holiday and meeting their partner and getting married and having children and coming back on their honeymoon and it's fantastic stories that you hear. Well, you do hear some bad press stories, I suppose, sometimes related to conditions and farm work and extreme heats and bugs and snakes <laughs> and all of the things in Australia that um, are quite unique to our country from a wildlife perspective as well um, and it's just a matter of, you know, trying to combat that and let people know they're not going to get eaten by a shark or a crocodile when they come out <laughs> and uh, leaving those things out of our marketing campaigns. There was a bit of politicisation around the, the sector in terms of the money that could be paid to backpackers and, and the percentage and, and how long they're allowed to stay here. Just give us an update on where that's at and um, I suppose assure businesses that you know the future of the backpacker business market is assured going forward. Yeah, one of the pictures in our new um, Australia Inc. campaign is that we do actually have the highest minimum wage in the world um, and all of the farms do have to adhere to to those minimum wage requirements. Um, so I suppose it's just really pushing that where we are a safe and secure destination, um, we do have really good high minimum wage and you know that everything is above board. The reason that those um, restrictions with the time that they can work in certain places and the regions that they have to go to is to get people out of the cities and to get people moving, I suppose. The whole purpose of a working holiday visa is a cultural exchange and it is also to fill a labour shortage as well. So it's great for tourism businesses because everyone benefits, but the um, the political reason that it's there is because it's needed from a labour shortage reason too. So we've got lots of boxes that we do need to tick, and thankfully tourism is a winner at the at the end of all of this. But um, we do have to have the government has to have those restrictions there in place to fill those gaps and to get people moving out of the cities, which is good for Tasmanian operators. And I'm assuming there's plenty of stories of these tourists, uh, the working. Tourists who, as you say, find their families and end up coming back here for holidays, they're probably not coming back as backpackers, are they? They are most certainly not. The lifetime value of a working holiday maker over the course of their lifetime is immense. Um, And I'd love to try to get my hands on some stats to see you know, as a 20-year-old working holiday maker, how many times on average they, you know, working holiday makers end up coming back throughout their lifetime. I'm sure that that kind of data would be really interesting. And so for someone that's operating a a hospitality or uh, accommodation business that doesn't attract backpackers at the moment, what would you say to them? Um, for your kind of stock standard hotels, if you've got quad rooms, you can you can rename those to backpacker rooms. Um, a lot of the time those rooms, you know, a four-bed a four bed, a quad room in a hotel is going to be the same as four beds in a four-bed dorm in a hostel. So maybe rewording it, maybe um, trying to work with the OTAs that focus on the youth sector like uh, Hostel World, uh, for example, and putting your, your hotel quad rooms on those sites to try to attract backpackers. And uh, is that a risk for businesses to to deviate from their current market when there is often, and, you know, let's be fair, there backpackers don't have a great rap all the time for the way that they behave? Is that a danger for businesses? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I think that um, I think that the Australia has moved on a little bit. We used to promote ourselves as a real party destination and a place for, for you to come and get drunk up the east coast of Australia. And I think that 
backpackers have changed and we've certainly changed the way we market Australia now. Uh, people are a little bit more in, invested in trying to get that Instagram shots or, uh, you know, doing sunrise yoga or giving back a bit of volunteering, all of these trends that we're seeing that didn't exist 10 years ago. So I think that whilst backpackers most certainly still do like to uh, enjoy Australia's nightlife, <laughs> um, it's I don't think the, the crazy party days of, of yesteryear are quite as strong as they used to be. So I, I wouldn't have thought that that would be. So they've got nothing to fear then, these businesses that we're trying to say, look, Invest in a bit of backpacker infrastructure now, and you'll pay. You'll receive the dividends later on when they come back with their growing families. Most certainly, yeah. Um, we, we there's some hostels out there these days that that call themselves flash packers, and you know they <laughs> sounds have, like my sort of camping. <laughs> they have they have the amazing swimming pools, and all of the rooms are en suite, and there's flat screen TVs, and and their rooms are amazing, and they all also offer private rooms as well. So um, sometimes the offering in hostels can be equally as good, if not better, than um, the offering in budget hotels these days. So I'm assuming that those rooms aren't your fifteen dollar a night. I mean, what is it these days? It's been a long time since I backpacked through through Europe. You could pay up to $42 for a dorm bed in Sydney. Um, so obviously not everywhere in the country um, gets to be able to charge those kind of rates, but um, certainly you wouldn't get a lot for less than $20, $25 for a dorm bed these days. And then private rooms are going for $150 a night, you know, $120, $150 a so night. They're worth, so they're willing to pay the that's pretty good money. Yep, that's um, that's pretty good money. So, um, yeah, the times have changed slightly from, from what they used to be, I think. And are there any reforms that you think are needed from an organisational point of view across the country to ensure that the trajectory continues the way it is with attracting these working holidaymakers? I think it's really just about getting the message out. Um, we... It can be a little bit complicated applying for the visas and getting the right information and that is something that we have tried to do with a new campaign is to collate information from lots of different government websites and put it all together in one place that's easy to read um, and get that information out there because from our research we did note that there is um, people aren't aware of the practicalities of, of how to go about getting a working holiday visa and all the rules and regulations about it. So we're really just trying to collate all of that information into one place and make it a little bit easier to understand because it can get a little bit confusing, the different rules for different countries and so on. And is there a target? We spoke about the numbers coming in, but that's sort of not broken down into backpacker specifically compared to youth. Is that something that perhaps would be a useful bit of information? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, um, the arrivals are just over 300,000 for working holidaymakers. Um, at one stage, I think it was as high as about 340,000 a few years ago. So um, whilst the overall working holiday maker numbers um, are only down a little bit, it's really being pushed up by the Asian markets. So to try to get those traditional Western markets back up to at least what they were is certainly what we're trying to aim for at the moment. And that this campaign that you've spoken of, Australia Inc., that's what that's aimed at doing. It certainly is. Yeah, the um, the federal government um, recognised the decline in the in the traditional working holiday markets and gave us some extra funding um, to try to get those numbers back up again. So that's certainly our KPI. And the the Chinese influx of tourists is just huge, isn't it? 
Yeah, and um, and it is big on working holiday makers as well. Um, they they can apply for the working holiday visa, but we do find that the Chinese on the working holiday visas they they do a lot of farm work and they're extremely hardworking and they're certainly ticking the box for the labour shortage. But from tourism um, product and experience perspective, um, it's really those Western markets that are driving that. Okay, so Christy, just uh, finalising. Um what would you, the top three tips you would give to business operators in the tourism sector uh, in Tasmania and across across the country in terms of making sure people are, are ready and equipped for dealing with what has been a unique evolution of the backpacker? Just don't write it off, I suppose. Just be open to the idea of adapting your business um, to cater for backpackers and, um, and, and try to market your business to spread across all, all market segments, I suppose. It's a little bit hard to try to appeal to all the people all the time. Um, but there is a lack of product, I think, in Tasmania that is directly targeting them and the ones that are are doing quite well. So um, there's certainly um, there's room for the youth and working holiday market to grow in this state. So there you are, ladies and gentlemen. Um, some new lucrative uh, business opportunities await those who aren't faint-hearted. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Christy Carstairs from Tourism Australia. Good luck with your campaign in continuing to attract the backpacker and youth market into Australia. And uh, for those businesses out there listening, I hope you have got some value out of our conversation today. Obviously, you've heard that um, the backpacker and youth market is um, has changed over the journey and isn't perhaps what you thought it was. So do some investigation and uh, see what you can offer that sector of the market. Well, thank you very much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed today's show. And if so, please do tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen to Talking Tourism. I'm Rachel Williams. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in a fortnight. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.